thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. This is Up for a Chat with Cindy O'Mara, Karen Smith, and Kim Morrison. up for a chat about the hottest topics that are important to you, inspiring you to awaken the change within. I'm Karen Smith. I'm Kim Morrison. And I'm Cindy O'Meara. And I am very excited to introduce today's guest. Um, Paula is someone that I met through uh, my business um, environment and and the crowd that we all work with and our business coach, Bruce Campbell, that many of you have heard on the podcast already. And I had the privilege of sitting next to her husband at one of our big events one day. And unbeknown to me, at the same time, I got an email from this gorgeous woman who was in hospital who wanted to read or had my book, I think the story goes, um, Like Chocolate for Women. And I'm going to get Paula to, to tell her story. But over the next half an hour, as I listened to her tell her story and from her husband's perspective, I realized that this woman had been, I would say, to Helen back. And I just really wanted to share Paula with our listeners because I know a lot of us are struggling at times and a lot of us don't always um, have a great time in life. So I really wanted to hear from Paula about how she's got through this tough time and more importantly, how she survived, thrived and also inspired so many people. So Paula Gallen, welcome to the show, darling. Welcome. Oh, thank you, girls. Thank you for having me on up for a chat. I know. You've been a listener for a while, haven't you? I have. I have. Paula, tell us your story from what happened in June 2014 and how you came to being where you are now. Okay. Well, um, on the 1st of June, I, uh, in my wisdom, thought that it would be a great idea to hang my or to wash my curtains and and hang them up to dry um i had my husband yelling at me in the background because we'd we'd planned nothing for the day and our our plans were to watch the hobbit so i decided to wash the curtains and hang them up and i stood on the end of my bed to uh, pull all the little plastic things together so I could quickly hang them up and quickly jump on the lounge and, and start watching TV. Unfortunately, I slipped off the end of my bed and I broke my leg in four places. I was rushed to hospital and um, was going to need uh, basically emergency surgery to to fix the, the break. Uh, I, I had surgery the following day and because my leg had swelled so badly um, they decided to do external fixations and um, wait for the swelling to go down before they fixed what was just a broken leg. Unfortunately something went wrong that night after the operation and we then had to go through seven operations to try and save my leg. Uh, In September that year, after being in hospital that whole entire time, I was told that my leg had to be amputated above the knee. I sought a second opinion uh, from a surgeon in Sydney and unbeknownst to me at the time was the top orthopaedic surgeon uh, in Australia. 
he flew to Brisbane and met me in the middle of the airport. He stripped down my bandages and he um, he asked me, was I sweating and um, was I um, able to wait there? And um, he put me on the next plane and amputated my leg below the knee that night. Keep going. So um, I then had my leg amputated below the knee um, and unfortunately battled with infection after infection for the next 18 months. And in, in the process, I lost my gallbladder um, and in May... 2016 I ran out of antibiotic options so it meant every time I was going to every time I had an infection I had to spend 12 weeks at a time in hospital I then made the decision in June 2016 to amputate my leg below uh, above the knee and um, finally was able to come home in November 2016. Tell me, Paula, in all of this time, I mean, it's pretty shocking to hear the story, but when you said something went wrong that first night, what what was the thing that originally, I mean, you had a broken leg, you had an external support system put on there until the swelling went down, but what was the problem? The problem was I was having compartment syndrome. Um, and that is where the there's a, there's like a thick skin or around the muscle in in five different compartments of the leg, and in all five compartments, my muscles were um, they were swelling, and it got to the point where they couldn't swell any further because of the the skin that is around the muscle, and they started to die. Unfortunately, when they did amputate my leg below the knee, I had septicemia. Cindy, Cindy, just before we carry on, what's your take on all of this so far? I'm in shock. I'm listening to this and um, I didn't realise you lost your gallbladder as well. Um, What I would love to know is that a broken bone and then it's fixed. I thought, it was it a, um, a fracture that came through the skin or... Um, no, it didn't, come, I've it didn't. fractured my uh, tibia uh, lengthways down. Oh, lengthways. Okay. So, um, so what was the problem? Was it, it was it what happened in hospital? Did you get an infection in hospital? Um, were you prone to that situation happening? Because I'm sure other people who have had broken bones, like I've had a broken collarbone. Um, I've had a broken foot. So I've broken a few bones and they've just been set and I walked away and and never thought about them again. You know, it took four to six weeks to mend. What was different about your case? Why why did you have this compartmentalised problem um, as opposed to most other people who who break a bone? Well, when you're having compartment syndrome, the what was supposed to happen was a physiotomy was supposed to be done where they slice my leg open and let the muscles breathe. 
Unfortunately, that was not performed and because they didn't go in to put the pins, plates and screws in for 23 days later, by the time they did go to put, to, to fix the broken leg, it was already, my, 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 my muscles were dying or were dead and still dying. So was this a, um, now we know that emergency medicine is amazing and it saves a lot of lives and we're not, we're not going there. But what I'm going to is, was this a medical mistake on your part? Like did, like for you, not on your part, but was this a medical mistake that was done to you? Yes, I believe it was. Oh, it was. Wow. Wow. Mm. I mean that those, that's pretty dire consequences. I mean, has the have the hospitals taken responsibility for that, or unfortunately, no, no. And this is where it's caused major issue. Can, I, I just want us all to picture this: you're a mother of three young, active ch- kids. Two of them are teenagers, and a young boy. You've got a husband that's running a business that that you two are running the business together and all of a sudden you find yourself in hospital over the next two and a half, three years in and out and major surgeries and major drug and major antibiotics and everything, everything, everything just absolutely thrown at you. I just, this is where I find Paula so amazing is that she still managed to smile. She still managed to keep a positive heart. But I'm sure, Paula, there were days where you must have wondered why me or how come or what, what were your darkest days like and how did you get through those? Oh, I guess the day that they told me that I had to fly to Sydney for an amputation, um, that was that was one of the hardest days knowing that I was leaving the coast and to have my leg amputated and to come, knowing that I was going to come back as a different person, not only in looks but emotionally as well. Um, I think I, I was okay once they amputated my leg because I guess by that stage I had been in hospital for nearly four months and uh, I had res- I, I had resided resigned to the fact that I was going to lose my leg, and that was going to be a better option than dragging around a leg that wasn't going to work in my head. <laughs> um, and, and I guess once I actually had the amputation, it was a relief that um, everything was going to just be okay from then on. But Learning to walk um, was a lot harder than I anticipated. The infection, still being in hospital, in a Sydney hospital away from my family for an, for a, another um, two months was was hard. But I I, I kind of came home at Christmas time that in in 2014, just thinking that I was going to be a below knee amputee and it was, I just had to get on with life. I guess the dark days started after I was getting infection after infection after infection. And I'm the only and because I've also chosen to have osseointegration, so that is where they have placed a uh, a rod into my 
to bone and it will then start to integrate with the bone so that I don't have to wear a socket. And when that was fitted and, and when I was using it as a below amputee, I have to say life was life was okay. It was it was manageable. I could still walk. I was in no pain. And I got probably 90% of my day-to-day things were back to normal. But once we started having the infection after infection after infection, it got to the point where my osseointegration rod was removed. And then I had to wait another six, uh, 12 weeks for it to be um, put back in again. And then we had, it, it was kind of like everything just started all over again. So I was back to square one, waiting for the osseo integration to, to heal and get well. I'd been, my leg had been sliced open again and it, we were back to square one. But we then continued to have infection after infection after infection and we had to make the choice to have an above-knee amputation and then start the osseo process all over again. And tell me how that was in the, in the hospital from a... I'm just, I'm just trying to picture this when you're someone who is conscious about what they eat and you are someone who's very um, on a very big learning process and from what I gathered when I first met you, you were already on this wonderful health journey to find that now you're living off hospital food in Sydney, away from the Sunshine Coast, away from your family and friends. What, what was that like? The food was real, a really big part of the reason I, I, I believe I couldn't get healthy. Mm. Um, we, there was no nutrition in any of the hospitals that I was in at all. Um, there was, you couldn't get anything that was fresh. Um, majority of the meals were either pasta or rice and um, we really struggled in in that area to get fresh healthy food. Uh, Once I guess there was a point where um, I had a lot of beautiful people bringing me in uh, healthy food that became a regular thing and um, one of the things that my nurses always talk about is I was in the end I was being I was one of the best fed people and I believe is is what helped stop the infection once my leg was amputated further because I had bone broths and um, really healthy salads and and things being brought in from from people on the outside, as I called it, while I was in there. It was, it's amazing, actually. We all talk of community and we all talk of um, the preciousness of that. And one of the things, Karen and Cindy, is Paula, in amongst all of this, was doing the health and lifestyle education program through um, 28 with me and learning all about the oils and often would have the oils and the diffuser and everything in her room. And when the tribe, the community of HLE has realised what was happening, complete strangers to Paula, people that didn't know her, were dropping meals up to her and taking things up to her. And I think it's just the generosity of spirit of people when we're in a community where we feel a part of something special. 
tell us how you use the oils and what happened with a number of the, the, the nurses and doctors, Paula. Well, I guess the, to go back one step forward, the, the reason that I started using the oils was because of one particular night where my family were actually starting to fall apart at the seams. Um, my husband, John, wasn't coping all that well with me being away for so long. And my daughter called me uh, in the middle of the night saying, you know, I don't know what to do. Dad needs help. Um, Ethan's crying and I, and I don't know how to fix it. So I'm sitting in a Sydney hospital thinking, how am I going to fix my family? It was at that point that I knew that there was nothing I could physically do to help any of the kids or John at that particular time. And that was that was when I did go back to what I had read in the like Chocolate for Women's book about using the oils to get a different mindset, I guess. I had to find a way to be strong enough to be able to fight these infections and to get home to be able to help my kids and John get through this. And so I started with one oil, which is all I could get my hands on. And I started to use that oil to to ground me minute by minute. And then it became half an hour by half an hour and hour by hour until I was able to look at the whole situation from a different perspective. I then became this person that had to do whatever it took to get home and, and help John and the kids. So I guess using the oils then helped me to, to, to move forward. But in doing that, I had, at one point, I had all the oils I could get my hands on and and a diffuser and I got as many things over over a period of three or four months that I could get to to every time that I was in that hospital room to to to, to keep my mindset where it needed to be. And so the nurses would come past my room and, and first of all I was known as the person that had the most amazing smelling room and <laughs> Um, they they knew where I was because they could smell me and um, and then it became the nurses coming in and finding out what it was I was doing and, and why I was doing it. So it became very well known on on many wards that um, aromatherapy was was amazing and was helping me come through something that was very, very challenging. Um, and, and it was amazing to see, you know, the people that were wanting oils just from from me um, using them because they could see that that they were truly amazing and they were truly helping. Mm. Mm. You know, we were um, ha having a discussion about um, the food that is in hospital, and I, I go to food because that's my favourite thing to go to. And, and, you know, many people were saying, oh, you know, most hospitals days are just, you know, two to three days. And, and that might be the case. But in that two or three days, you can start to, to make healthy changes. But it's interesting that many people have said, oh, I was in hospital for four months or five months or six months or my son's in hospital all the time. So, 
I don't know if that one to two days or two to three days is is applicable. So um, in order to get good food, what what did you end up doing? Did you? Ha- I know people brought it into you, but that, that wouldn't have been happening breakfast, lunch and dinner. How did you do that, especially with your family here on the Sunshine Coast and you in Sydney? Well, I was very fortunate that my sister lives in Sydney as well, so she would also bring me in um, food and, and I had a girlfriend that actually just lived down the road and her husband became my personal chef. <laughs> so, oh, lucky you. Yes. <laughs> so I was very fortunate to be able to have whole whole foods brought into me on a, on a daily basis and, and I was... I wasn't eating hospital food at all um, towards, mm-hmm. you know, after after three or four months I was actually able to, the whole time I was in Sydney I never ate anything from the hospital food. I can remember when I asked one of the, the ladies that comes around and brings your food, I said to her, um, is there actual pumpkin in that pumpkin <laughs> soup? And she <laughs> went, oh, no, it's all just made with powder. Oh, it's like the eggs and the potato, you know, you see the eggs and you see the potato, they're just all powder and it's, how how does our body heal, how do we get our immune system, like there's so much science out there and they all, you know, we we all talk about evidence-based and here we have hospitals that are all about evidence-based and yet they're feeding this non-nutrition it's not nutrition it's non-nutrition these food-like particles to people like you mm, who yeah. need the best of foods to heal yeah it's um well i do, i'm absolutely blown away by you i'm you know listening to I, i've heard parts of what has happened to you but i'm listening to you and you you seem so strong and very matter-of-fact about what's happened, and but you must have had some times when you just were thinking, what am I doing? What is happening? Is there no advocate out there that can help me? Is there? Because it sounds like you were fairly removed from what, what was happening with your family. And it's almost like it was your family that went, you went, right, that's it. I have to get back for my family. Yeah, I, I did have some... I mean, there were, there was some very dark days emotionally that I really had to to get through. Um, just things like you know, people were going to look at me differently. I was always such a confident person. I was I was a I was a trainer in in, in my previous job before my accident. So to stand up and talk in front of people was was nothing. Um, but I, I, I had, I was then dealing with things like, you know, like I'm not going to be able to stand up in front of people without them wondering what's happened. I'm going to look different. I, I started because of the, the not eating well. I gained um, nearly 15 kilos due to, um, um, due to medication as well as, as not having correct food. Um, so I was a lot bigger than um, I, I liked, and I was be- I became very self-conscious of how was how was I going to fit back into society when I everything is so different. And you know I had a lot of counselling. I didn't I, I couldn't get through the first uh, six months without counselling um, to be able to talk about my 
my feelings and and how I really felt because I I found I personally found it very hard to let anybody know that I was struggling, mm. and and that 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 became a real issue uh, I, I guess halfway through because I always put on a brave face and I was always okay. But lucky for me, there was two nurses on the ward that saw through what was actually happening and and I was able to to get help when I needed it um, there was many nights where I just cried myself to sleep thinking why me um, why has this happened to me and and how how I was going to get through it but it wasn't something that I let anybody else know about I just can't imagine. No, I think sorry sorry Karen go no, no, God, Kimmy. I just can't imagine not only going through the trauma of, of losing your leg and, as you say, your identity perhaps changing and well, definitely changing and losing a gallbladder and having to endure the food. That, and But thankfully some good people and nurses and doctors, I'm sure, along the way as well. But also the, the hardest thing that I keep feeling and hearing for you is, is being disconnected from your family and knowing that they're struggling and and fighting and arguing and upset and and all understandable. Um, I'm just and that's what I was going to ask you too, Karen. I mean, you have spent a lot of time in hospital and you've endured, you know, huge huge hurdles to overcome. What did you? I mean, you understanding the mindset here, Karen, of what Paul has been through. Yeah, yeah and I, you know, I I was just going to say. Um, there's the physical side of it, which, you know, takes a lot of adjustment in terms of finding that new normal because it's almost as if you've got to create a whole new relationship with yourself. Would you agree with that, Paula? Yeah, and I guess that's where I'm struggling more right now because the infection is gone. The I'm out of hospital and what happens to Paula Gallon now? That's That's one thing that I really am struggling with right now. Yeah, so, you know, that's... And, and I, you know, um, please forgive me if I if I cross a line here. Um, from a counselling perspective, you know, this is another level now. And coming to understand the new normal as to who are you, because who you've been it has evolved, it's changed, it's transformed. And to create a new normal and a new relationship with this new normal is really the next level of, of, of um, coming to terms with this change. And we go through an emotional roller coaster. We go through the whole emotional tone scale of, you know, um, disappointment and anger and all of the all of the different emotions that we would go through if we were grieving. And I don't know if you've already gone through this or the counsellors have taken you through it, but I remember even for myself there was this massive grieving period for me and it didn't come until 18 months to two and a half years after um, I'd gone through what I'd gone through. And then the main, the, the big impact kind of hit me at about the three-year mark where I realised, you know, there's no more hospitals for me, there are no more doctors for me, this is it, I'm on my own and people are not talking about it anymore. Everybody else has moved on, but I'm still here. <laughs> mm, yeah. And I and I found that in and of itself to be massively challenging so that I could then um, not 
hold myself in a place of um, of grief so that I could actually move myself through the process of healing. And I guess it's, it's, it's more of a focus on healing and creating a new normal. What's it going to look like? Because that can actually be a really exciting journey if you to look at it like that to say, well, you know what? This is a chance for me to reinvent myself. All the things that I wished I'd never done or all the, wish, the things that I wished I could have done or all the things I wished I'd done differently when it comes to my work or when it comes to who I've been, um, this is a chance for me to write a new story. And what's that story going to be? What do you want to include in it? What do you want it to look like? Start to paint a picture for yourself and look forward into the possibilities um, rather than looking backwards and missing what was because it's about a new normal now more than it is about anything else. Yeah, I absolutely agree, yeah. Because I, I guess that's where I'm at. Now I've I've always tried to not look back. I've always tried to look forward. But you get so used to when I get out of hospital and when this ends and and when everything goes back to normal. But in actual fact, it it, it doesn't. That doesn't happen. You do. No. No. Um, it won't. Yeah. It won't, Paula. It's just it's and like I keep saying, it's it's a new normal. It's not yeah. going to go back to normal, and you know if if and and you know the grieving process is one grieving for the physical loss, but secondly grieving for the emotional and the mental loss of what was and getting back to. Yeah. Um, so there's a sense of grief which can be you know those quiet moments when it's just you with you and the lights go out and you're lying on your pillow and the whole world comes past you again and you, your experience rushes through you and you don't know what to do with it because you don't have a frame of reference for this. This is completely new to you. And yeah, it, and those those feelings actually come. Uh, have been coming more so since since coming home in November than than yeah. they were previous. Well, well, no doubt well, about also, that. Also, not only has Paula and John and the family had to endure all of this, Karen, also, you know, they've lost their house. Um, Paula needs a new leg and that's an $85,000 prosthetic leg that is needs and yet they've lost their house. Like, I mean, we're talking major, you know, life changes. They've tried to start up a new chemical-free skin, uh, chemical-free um, cleaning business, which has done well. But, you know, as well as we all do, all three of us know that it takes months, if not years, to really establish a good income from a business let alone her husband and what he's had to endure, becoming the mum and then also the dad, the provider, but also stay strong and for many of us, no disrespect to Johnny or any men out there, to be all of a sudden put into that position can be incredibly confronting in itself. Um, two teenage daughters or one that's now in her 20s, um, a wedding, um, a new baby. There is some beautiful light at the end of the tunnel, but Paula's oldest daughter is now married and has a brand new baby. So that's lifted spirits. I, I certainly can see that. But Karen, how how do you make sense of this when at the end of it, we all say money's not everything, but ultimately without money, you can't it's very hard to make new choices. How do you confront that situation for someone like Paula who's willing, able, and would give anything to do it all? But, wow, how many knocks can someone take? 
I think um, Byron Katie is, is is beautiful the way that she puts this and it's about loving what is. And if a person does look at it from the context of um, it's another knock, um, you know, I, I'm brought to my knees again or, you know, I, I can't cope with this, it's too much, it's too much, then that will be the experience. But I think what could be most helpful um, for Paula at this point in the healing process, and it's just part of the process. I mean, who's to know how long the emotional and mental healing is going to take? And not even Paula knows that, you know, and even for myself, I'm 15 15 years down the track and I'm still revealing new layers. It's like kind of being an onion. But I think that um, if we can look at this with a really positive mindset and look at all of the beautiful things that Paula aspires for in creating this new normal like uh, uh, the beautiful things that are now becoming possible because she's able to write a new story you know if you really think of it in that context I'm going to write a new story and I'm going to have my beautiful prosthetic leg it's coming and I know it's coming and I'm excited for it and this is what I'm doing now and this is what I'll do when that leg arrives and this is what I'll do after that leg arrives like just allowing clarity and certainty to be your guide and and shifting your um, emotional tone from one of suffering into one of creativity. It's an easier leap to make when you can look at it from the perspective of this is reality, this is what it is, and I will learn to love this. I may not love it right now, but I will learn because there is no alternative. I have children, I have a beautiful husband, and I have a massive life to live. And you know what I was just thinking, Paula, there's a book in you, girlfriend, that is going to be so amazing. When I've, you I've already titled it, Karen. Yeah. Break a leg. <laughs> what is it? Get out break there and break a leg. Break a leg. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't we, Paula? <laughs> yep. Oh, dear. <laughs> That's exciting. Mm. See, that's and, and that really is the way that we need to keep looking at things because you know what? Here's the thing. Sometimes life is going to throw us with major curveballs and we might get two in a row, we might get 40 in a row, but nothing is designed as nothing is designed to be destructive. And I know that that can sometimes be very hard to hear. But everything is designed for our expansion and our growth, and it starts with the inside job. So if we can dive deep inside, come to terms with what is real, and then say, well, this is real, and now I'm going to write myself a new story. I'm going to create a new normal with my husband. I've got to create a new normal with my children. I've got to create a new normal with my job. I've got to create a new normal with myself. And small steps, small steps. But be excited about that beautiful money that's coming your way, that incredible prosthetic leg that's coming your way because every thought you have is creative. And because you have such a profound emotional charge around you right now, Paula, your thoughts are even more creative. So it's all the more important that you're in the driver's seat of creating this new normal and facing in the direction of the next moment and the next moment and the next moment rather than facing in the direction of where you've been. 
because where you've been, you know it. You're an expert at it. You've got the T-shirt on it. You know the journey that you've had. Embrace it. Love it. You know, and, I, and and it's not. So it's probably a little early to say find the the gift in it. I don't know. I don't know how far along you oh, are. Oh, absolutely. Like I I say to John all the time that we wouldn't be the people that we are today if if I hadn't have lost my leg. We have we have found so many beautiful people that we surround ourselves in now that that weren't there previous to my accident. And and there's. That in itself is is so much to be grateful for. Well, my love, you've come a long way. Really, I mean, to be able to be, you know, to be able to say that um, at such an early stage, really, I think is is incredible, and it's kudos to you, to your mental tenacity and your emotional resilience. I, I think you're an amazing human being. I'm I'm totally on Cindy's camp with that. I think you're you're a spectacular example for everybody. So I think now it's just you know if if, if I was if you were sitting in front of me in a counselling chair I'd be saying to you it's time then to get excited about what we can create and let's get a notebook let's get a journal let's start creating in each area of your life let's take the first step what does it look like and when you put it down on paper or on a on a piece of butcher paper then it's out of your head and it allows room for the next idea or the next level of clarity to find you and in doing that and being excited about your leg then the money will start to flow so let's all get excited let's start get that getting that money flowing that crowdfunding flowing so that you can get that $85,000 that you need to be the active woman that you know you're going to need to be given the size of the job that you've got to do on this planet you know you you You've experienced something that 99.9% of people haven't experienced. And that's not yours for no reason. You know, I always believe that we take one for the team and you've taken a really big one and your job now is to really get amongst it and start sharing the the gifts of it so that we can all learn from you. It's almost like Karen always yeah. says, Paula, that, you know, she took she took one for the team. Don't don't let a bomb blow you up in order to wake up to your life. It's almost like you know, you got to stand up and deliver no matter what comes to you. And, and I think that's something I know you're still working through this. And I think we can safely say we're all in a, we are all a work in progress. And, and I think in many ways, you probably don't realize how far you've come. And certainly the inspiration you've been to your two daughters and your son and your beautiful husband, who are all phenomenal people and still keep standing up to take more and do more. And I think that's a credit to you all. Um, one thing that our beautiful business coach, Bruce Campbell, wanted to do and to create was when, Karen, you just set up for crowdfunding. And one of the reasons I wanted to bring Paula onto this show is to let people know that, you know, there is an opportunity for us to support Paula if you've been touched by her story or you think that there's a way that you could help her and her beautiful family. And I know there's lots of amazing causes out there. I know there's lots of people that need help. Um, there's no accident that, that we happen to be listening to this at right at this moment but for those of us that have been touched by Paula's story you only have to google many miles for Paula and you will come up with a link or a, a, a page that will come up from Chuffed which is an organization that allows us to start and create campaigns and we are nearly a thousand dollars into our $85,000 fundraising campaign and I just think if people would like to support 
um, Paula and her family, particularly Paula, this is about getting her leg, actually. This is about nothing else. But as Karen just alluded to, the minute she gets that leg, I would imagine there's a lot of a lot of work to be done. Um, so, yes, you can – or you can join us on the Sunshine Coast. Um, we're having an event there uh, on Saturday, May the 27th. We're from about 6, 6.30 in the morning. We're all um, running. We're going to use our healthy legs to walk or run um, as many Ks as we can, and you can either donate a percent and a, a small amount if you would like to on that page, or you can come and join us and register and be part of the team and and walk with me and and a number of beautiful local identities that want to support Paula. So, how does that make you feel, Paula? To think that that this has been put on even without you knowing it <laughs> how does that feel? yes well it's been a very very overwhelming um to know that there is going to be so many beautiful people on that track on on may the 27th and they're all there for me and that's that that's really overwhelming and that's um sometimes i just pinch myself to go you know how, how did that happen um but yeah, it's it's amazing, and this is what I mean when I say we are so grateful for the people that we're now surrounded by, because that's why this is happening. Um, because our friends and 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 people that we've met through Bruce Campbell and and through Kim and the HLE program, they are truly amazing people. You know, it's interesting. I had the opportunity to come down and surprise visit you a couple of times down in Sydney in the hospital, which was such an honour to deliver a whole big package of goodies from a whole lot of people that adore you and love you and want to support you. I'll never forget one day, though, coming down, and it was in your rehab after the the above-the-knee amputation, and I got to sit there with about eight of you who had all lost your legs or leg, and I was instantly amazed. I mean, we don't think about the people out there who have had motorbike accidents or there was one gentleman there who had had a drug issue. Um, There was a lady there. The the stories that they were telling and talking were not your normal. I, I don't even know what normal is to lose a leg in all honesty. And the strength and seeing the eight of you sitting in that circle and what what was that like as far as being around other people in the same situation as you day in day out how did that affect you that was that was good and bad kim because it it also showed me the side of becoming an amputee and uh, being addicted to pain medication as well because there was some some people. I don't have the trauma, I guess, that goes with losing a limb. I fell off my bed and hanging curtains. I didn't have the car accident. I didn't have the things that that other people have also got to deal with as well. So it was very. It was a big eye opener to see that not only was I just dealing with not having a leg, but these other people were dealing with bigger issues as well. And I guess it it really honed in to me that there's always somebody worse off in in your situ in 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 the situation. And I I for me it was 
good because I kind of went, you know, all I've got to deal with is losing leg. <laughs> so because there was other people in, in far worse off situations than me, even though we'd all lost legs. Mm, interesting. Where are mm. you at with your family now? Where's the family at? Tell us about them. Um, well, we've, we've, uh, um, it, it's been, a, it's been, a, unfortunately, John had a little bit of a nervous breakdown in February, so we're still um, getting help and, and recovering from that. Um, my eldest daughter Jess is is has become a mum and she's doing an amazing job and, and um, she's she is doing really well. Um, Ashley is is my sixteen year old. She is still struggling a little bit. Unfortunately, I was pulled out of her life at a really crucial time for her, and we're still working every day to to build that relationship and to to make it better um little ethan he's 10 now and he was very close to mum and really did not cope while i've been away but since since coming home he does have a few anxiety issues that we're we're dealing with and, and some anger issues as well um one of the things that ethan actually said to me a couple of weeks ago is why are you not angry mum I'm angry why are you not and and I really struggled to to answer that for him because I didn't know how to tell my 10 year old that I'm not angry with what happened it is what it is and we just have to move on but he couldn't understand that concept yet so um it's it's it has affected everybody on different levels as well and um, that's that. I guess that's where we're at at the moment. That each individual person is is got something that we're we're working on. Karen, what would you say to to families like Paula, who have the, one of the main people in the home, the mum or the dad, has gone through something quite massive, and obviously everybody is affected in different ways, and none of us know how that's going to play out. How? What's, what's your thoughts and advice around that if the family members listen to a podcast like this? Um, it's not that complicated, actually. What we do tend to do, and I'm not suggesting this is what you're doing, Paula, I'm just going to go a little bit generic right now, but what we do tend to do is um, hold ourselves together and try and be strong for the family and try and be strong for the children. But in actual point of fact, what we're teaching our kids is how to handle adversity. And if our kids can learn that it's a natural response when there is adversity, either personal or to the family, when they, when adversity is present, that we're an acknowledgement of it, we're open to talk about it, we're open to experience it, and we involve the family in that healing process. If we don't do that, for everybody that's listening, if we don't do that, we leave the children on their own to try and figure it out. And very similarly to us, they don't have a frame of reference for this. So they don't know what to access in order to help themselves heal or self-soothe. So that's when there may be you know, behavior, they might be acting out, there may be some, you know, 
some changes or some strange behavior that, they, that you're potentially not um, expecting from it. So being open and having open communication with the kids on how you're feeling is very important and involving them not only in how you're feeling but what you're doing about it because as much as it's, it's an experience for the whole family going through it, the kids need to see what you're doing about it. Even if you don't know what to do, tell them. Right now, mum feels really tired. I feel really sad. I feel like I'm in a state of loss right now. Um, I also feel a little bit angry. And you know what, kids? I actually don't know what to do with it right now. I'm figuring it out, though. And I promise you, in the next 24 hours, I'm going to have figured out what my next step is going to be. But one thing I know is I will take small steps because I'm figuring this out moment by moment, not day by day, week by week. I'm figuring it out moment by moment. So if either of you or any of you kids have got any suggestions that you think might help, I'm really open to talking about this with you because, you know, you might be able to see something that I can't see. And I think that kind of open dialogue is really an invitation for the whole family to participate in the healing process rather than um, trying to be strong on behalf of the kids because as soon as we do that, we shut them out of it and they're going through their own experience of it. And they don't have the tools like we do that comes from our experience. They don't have the tools to be able to handle it moment by moment. They just go into shutdown or breakdown, which we want to make sure that we avoid. Did that help? Yes. Yes. And that's brilliant. That's, that's certainly what I've been. Sorry, Paula. I just wanted, because Cindy's such a advocate for healing and rehabilitation as well. Like Karen to me is the go-to when it comes to the mindset and how we can recover from these things. And you've been so open to all of these conversations and listening to Up for a Chat. And then um, Cindy, from a healing perspective, I mean, Paula's body has been, uh, I mean, a part of me is amazed she's still here and how the body is so resilient on many levels. I mean, What's what's your thoughts on what she should be doing now, even though she probably is, but I think, again, generically, what could our listeners be doing in these situations? Well, it sounds, you know, like it's really hard to, to know exactly what was happening, but it sounds like um, Paula's had a lot of antibiotics and just knowing that and no doubt broad spectrum because they may not have known exactly what it was or if they did know what it was, they may have given, you know, specific to the the bacteria that was causing the problem. So, you know, I always go to the gut and I'd want to fix the gut because the gut is the seat of the immune system. Uh, it's the seat of the nervous system. And so if we heal that gut and give it, the food that it needs after it's been healed and give it back its bacteria, then it should strengthen the immune system. You know, we, we know this and it will also strengthen how we think and what we're thinking about um, because we've seen that um, the gut has an access between itself and the brain and it makes 90%, the gut that is, makes 90% of our neurotransmitters, which helps us with our thought processes, um, helps us ward off anxiety. So that's where I would go, Kim. Um, and, you know, and that's all I know to go to. I, I only know the food side of it. And then, you and know, Ki and then Karen. How would you do that on a budget? Like, 
you know, there's lots of protocols. We could send thousands of dollars in coaching and all sorts of things. But how, mm. I mean, are you talking chicken soup? Is that a great, like, what are you talking yeah. as far chicken as? chicken soup. Yeah. If, if we start there, start with chicken soup. But, you know, having said that, we know that many of our chickens, and this is something that, you know, Paula has to be very, um, uh, you know, she has to be careful of this, is that you know, many of our chickens are eating um, genetically modified foods which have been sprayed with glyphosate, glyphosate being something that destroys the bacteria in our gut or stops it, you know, creating amino acids which help our neurotransmitters. So it's it's so hard on a on, on a, um, a budget to say, look, you have to go organic because an organic chicken could be twice as much as a non-organic chicken. So then the question is, well, do I do the best with what I've, I've got? Um, and, and that's what we've got to do. We've just got to go the best with what we've got. One of the things um, that will help is a, a gelatin. You know, gelatin is the protein and helps the not only the immune system but helps the matrix of the of the bones. So you know, even a, a a gelatin might be good. And you know, there is organic gelatin out there. So um, on a, on a budget, you know, do you? Do you go to the fruit and veggie shop and um, and pick out the ones that aren't perfect? You know, they're the imperfect ones, or as they call them, ugly fruit and vegetables. Grow your own, uh, and that may not be just easy at the moment. But perhaps we have a um, a working bee where we go to Paula's house and create a garden. You know, maybe this is the, if people can't afford money, they can afford time. Do we go to the local community garden and get some food out of there? So. I'm only just giving you a few suggestions that perhaps can be done. Um, there's a lot of food wasted um, out of our, our fruit and veggie shops and maybe go and get the old fruits and veggies from those shops and say, you know, I'm, this is what's happening to me and then make a vegetable stock out of that and add that to everything. So I, I, I just, be, I know many people that are on budgets that are still able to eat well and they've, they become creative and it sounds like that's what you are, Paula. You're very creative in what you need to do and so you become creative and this would also go into uh, Break a Leg as Kim has yes, called your book, yes. you know. How, how do and, you and, and, getting, and getting creative has also caused other issues in the family because previous to my accident there was a, a way that we ate and and now I'm learning so much more about the benefits of whole foods and, and things like that, that the kids are actually not liking what they're getting for dinner and, and things like that. So it's been a real challenge to try and do it. For me, I, 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 I'm happy to have bone broth and, and chicken soup and, 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 and that, that has become part of, part of what we do. And we have more fruit and vegetables in our house now than we ever did previous to my accident. So... But it's it's having it's also having that transition because um, we were you know while I was in hospital John just basically did what he could to feed them and and that didn't always necessarily mean it was healthy um, so it's been a transition for me to to bring the whole foods into the family as well as the challenge for me is I just can't go to the gym and lose weight like I would have normally because I can't I find it really hard to 
get my heart rate up because I can't run and I can't do all the things that that I need to do to lose the weight that I've I've gained and so for me my main focus is is with food and that's how I've been losing the the kilos that I need to lose to be able to walk better it's all been through food mm. yeah and food makes a, a big difference I'm I'm in I don't know if I've already put this on up for a chat but I'm inspired by um, a beautiful lady on my protocol group and um, and she basically had talked about a lot of things that had changed for her but she lost 80 kilos um, doing my four phase protocol but one of the things she said is I have inspired my kids to be more aware of what they eat and no doubt that that's what you're doing as well. You know, yours is not, you haven't lost 80 kilos, you've lost your leg, but you're inspiring them to eat well, which will will be something that will, you know, take them into the future. I was listening to Felicia Jack, the most amazing um, woman that's working at Deakin University at the moment, and she talks about that we know that food uh, is the biggest cause of chronic disease that we're seeing today, heart disease, cancer, diabetes, things like that. So she says that this is something that we know, but nobody's looking at the food that we're consuming. Um, and they continue to eat packaged food. So good on you for inspiring your family and your children to do that, Paula. Yeah, yeah, and you know, even with Jess now, with with her her new little bubby, we're we're looking at ways that she can make her own um, baby foods and and things like that. She's really uh, keen to to learn as much as she can about starting. She's breastfeeding at the moment, but once once Bubby goes on to um, solids. She wants to do it all organic, and 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 so that that is, you know, she's seen what I've been doing, and and she wants to now put that into her own family, which is mm. which is awesome. It is awesome. It's been a fantastic podcast all round, and and you know we are out of time right now, gals. So I just wanted to open it up just um, very quickly to Paula to see if there was anything else she wanted to add to encourage our listeners to um you know get behind the support of that crowdfunding was there anything more that you wanted to mention Paula or have we covered everything off for you no I just I would just love to inspire anybody to come and and run or walk with me on the track on the 27th of May um what what it will mean for me is it will take the risk out of falling um and 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 be and have me able to do 90% of what I could have done with two legs once I, I do get my new leg. And for me, that is very important to work on the next chapter of my what is going to be a very busy and inspiring life. Oh, I get so excited when I hear that. <laughs> me too. Oh, amazing. Okay, so for everybody that's listening to today's podcast, all you need to do is jump online, go to Google, and type in many miles for Paula. And when you do that, you're going to see the crowdfunding site, which is chuffed.org. Um, is that C H U F T, Karen? 
C-H, good question, good question, C-H-U-F-F-E-D. Oh, chuffed. As in we're really chuffed with you. Okay, all right, okay. Yes. Let's see here. It's chuffed, C-H-U-F-F-E-D.org forward slash project forward slash many dash miles dash four dash Paula. Now we're going to put that in the show notes. So don't worry, everybody. You just have to go to the show notes to find that website so that you can get behind Paula. Um, and then Kimmy, when's the run? It's on Saturday, on Saturday May the 27th. Yeah. Or walk. I mean, with my back surgery, I won't probably be running, but I'm certainly going to be there walking every single step that I can. And um, for those of you, if you ever get the opportunity to meet Paula or share this podcast with people that you'll know going through a tough time, she's been incredibly humble on this call and she's been incredibly Mm. quiet about what she's done and achieved. And, um, you know, she said she was inspired by me when she first met me, but I, um, yeah, I have to say, Paulie, you are probably one of the most inspiring um, women I know to endure what you've done, but also to turn it into a positive. And, you know, I can hear Karen in your voice so many times. And I just, I just want to say on behalf of the three of us and every single listener out there, we are behind you 100% to support you and turn your family um, in a way that has, if you look back on this experience, has been one of the most greatest and most biggest opportunities you could have ever imagined and I just want to say we we love you dearly well thank you Kimmy and and you know being part of the the HLE program for me was has had a made a huge impact on my life because that's that's where it all that's where it all began so um, I am so grateful to you oh beautiful well, this has been an amazing podcast, Paula. You've, you're, 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 as Kim says, you're an incredible inspiration. So thank you for sharing your journey with us and thank you for sharing your journey with our listeners. No doubt you've had our listeners in tears and riding a roller coaster from tears to inspired to enthusiastic to what they can take on, you know, for themselves and their own lives as a result of what you're, you know, setting an example for. So thank you, my love, from the bottom of our hearts. So for everybody who yeah. has listened to today's <laughs> beautiful it's not hard paula it's not hard no oh you're only human she says <laughs> <laughs> i do love these girls yes <laughs> so for everybody listening to today's podcast jump on over to all the w's.facebook.com forward slash up for a chat and post your comments and your questions there potentially for paula and we'll make sure that she gets hold of them. You can also go to all the w's.thewellnesscouch.com forward slash up for a chat and you can post your your questions and comments there. And don't worry, we will make sure that all of the links are in the show notes and also on the Facebook posts so that you guys can grab the details there to reach out to Paula as well. So thank you, everybody, for joining us here on Up For A Chat. It's a super exciting ride, as always. Before I sign off, I just wanted to um, let you guys know that we still have some tickets available for our trip to Africa next year. So if you want to find out a little bit more about that, go to all the w's.awakenthechangewithin.com. And we would love to share a couple of weeks with you as we trek through the extraordinary dirt tracks and all the beautiful (laughs) adventures that our spectacular Bear grills 
aka Cindy O'Meara, has organized for us. So it's awakenthechangewithin.com. We're going to see you guys on the ride, same time, same station, right here on Up for a Chat, where you get to become part of the ripple effect that's changing the world. We'll see you soon. Bye, everybody. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.